Hi everyone. Welcome to Real World Parenting, tips and scripts for parents on roads less traveled. I'm Dr. Laura Anderson, a child and family psychologist, and I'm glad you're here. As you settle in to listen, let me reassure you that you are in the right place. If you're a loving parent looking for answers and encouragement, and maybe even a chuckle amidst hard things. If you're a loving parent who's raising a child on a journey different from your own as a child, and are seeking a compass as you navigate uncharted waters. This is the place for you if you get the theory of parenting advice you keep hearing, but for the love of chocolate and curry and all other nearly perfect things, that theory never quite works as planned with your actual children. Finally, you are in exactly the right place if you're a therapist or clinician who works with kids, teens, and families. My intention is that these episodes will deepen your work and change lives. So in this intro, I get two to three minutes here to boil down 30 years of work in my psychology offices and my experience as a mom in the trenches and let you know what I'll offer with this podcast. I almost called it Lessons from Our Living Rooms or Couch Conversations because my offerings will be things I have learned and keep learning from the vantage point of both my living room couch and my therapy office couch. The aim of this podcast is to offer hope, support, wisdom, and experience in community, to provide clinicians a window into what our recommendations actually mean for real families in real life. We will talk all things kid and teen related and shine a spotlight on families navigating identities related to race, gender, and adoption. We will explore common child and adolescent mental health and wellness related topics. The hope is to leave you with a greater understanding of your child's needs and a, you got this, energy. Episodes will also feature actual practical tips and answers to questions including, well, what do I say when and what do I do when, so that you feel equipped to handle the day-to-day parenting puzzles we face. So pour yourself a cuppa or lace up some shoes or hide in your busy parent bathroom for a bit and join me for head and heart conversations about loving and living with children walking past less often traveled. Have I mentioned I'm glad you're here? I trust that you'll be glad. Hi, everyone. It's me, Dr. Laura Anderson, and I'm glad you joined me for this week's episode. Today, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the complexity of celebration and adoption. Um, not just about my own family, because that's kind of a cardinal rule of adoptive work, (laughs) is to not parade information out about your kids before they have control over that information. So that's a key takeaway in any of this adoptive family uh, work as well. So having said that, when I speak about the trends that I see and the patterns that come up in my social circles, which are full of adopted families, or which is full of adopted families, and my office. Um, Also, share a lot of time with adoptive families in my office. So oftentimes, adoptive parents, like there's this whole dilemma, right? And, and, And I've done some Facebook chats about these things too, but the overriding narrative in the culture at large is adoption is a win-win-win. A child gets a home, a parent gets to be a parent or or gets to parent again, grow their family, and that's a win. And 
unfortunately, often the the thinking about the birth first parent um, is, and they get a, a solution to this problem, or they get a way to feel good about having um, uh, made a choice to have their child taken care of. Okay, which on a bad day, it's they've had a way to solve this problem. On a good day, it is they can rest assured knowing that there's placement in a caring, loving home. Win, win, win. It's great for everybody. Um, and yet there's so much information that adoptees are jumping up and down for us to understand more deeply. I sit here today talking about this issue as an adoptive parent. I have incredible privilege in the triad. And the first thing I would say to folks who are listening, if you're an adoptive parent and you've turned in, is find adoptee voices. Go directly to them. Angela Tucker does phenomenal work around this. That's coming to mind right away. Um, there are lots of folks. You can, you can look up all the connections and recommendations that Angela has at the adopted life. Um, just, just find adoptee voices. Um, listen to them when you want to turn them off because it hurts what they're saying or you feel like you made mistakes or they seem too angry, lean in closer. Uh, turn it up. Don't turn them off because that's where some of the sticking points for us is as parents. So second takeaway, find adoptee voices that I sit here as an adoptive parent, but hopefully sharing just some of the the gentle and firm wisdom that I've come to in my own journey, but also, again, as I said, in my office and with other folks. So, so the common um, thread in broader society is win, win, win. Isn't this child lucky over and over and over again? Adoptees here, um, sh well, your kid is so lucky, or oh, they're so lucky, or, shouldn't, they should be grateful. And it's a really damaging narrative. And it, um, there's a great quote that is along the lines of adoption is the only, you know, major loss in life where the recipient is expected to be grateful. Because what happens when a child finds an adoptive family is that they've lost a birth first family as well. And for some, that's a loss of language, a loss of culture, a loss of community. Um, and that's, that's a, a lot of loss. And we can't minimize that. Is it a ceiling put on adoptees' heads that means they are forever broken and wounded? I am not saying that. Is it a shaping event in their lives that plays out in a host of different ways, in relationships, in trust, in, in confidence, in self-esteem, yeah, most of us would say we see elements woven throughout the lifetime of adoptive families. Does it impact adoptive parents to be parenting uh, in an adoptive family? Yes. Does that evolve over time? Yes. Are there things to celebrate? Absolutely. Are there really hard things that are very different from parenting children that you had leadership of the pregnancy and your body and your care uh, and there's been no disruption in attachment absolutely are there sad parts of the uh, adoptive parent journey that can feel quite lonely if you're not connected um, to other folks yes so and when do we celebrate so the title of today and thinking about it is when do we celebrate when do we get to celebrate 
our adoptive family and how? What does that look like? And I argue, yes, there are times and places to celebrate adoption um, as an option to celebrate your particular family and how you came together. The challenge is also two challenges. One, where and when. <laughs> and the other challenge is making the space for the parts that aren't celebratory. So I'd argue that you can't go straight to celebration unless you're also holding the complexity of the loss for your child and some of the differences that develop in adoptive families and the way that adoptive parent is different. Not all adoptees have specialized needs as a result of attachment loss. Formal specialized needs that require wildly different parenting. And some do and many do. Adoption, attachment loss is significant. And depending on what happened in utero with care, how the separation from first family happened, at what age a child is placed, adoption placement can lead to different types of attachment styles in families and different types of sensory processing and behavioral challenges and learning needs. And and that can require not not only does adoption and the awareness of first family and first family relationships and how open is our adoption and how closed is our adoption and how do we talk about that with our kid and how do we help them feel confident in, in light of this major change in family situation. And you also have the, well, my child doesn't respond to behavioral interventions the way I thought they would. Parenting my other kids who had secure attachments forever and great prenatal care and no loss respond really differently. Um, learning is different. I, I need to advocate differently for school. Sometimes there can be really different parenting skills needed to parent adoptees. And and that can be hard and it can feel lonely and people may look at a child who's struggling from a sensory and behavioral standpoint and think it's your parenting that caused it when really we know we parent differently because of what our child needs and not the other way around. There are different schools of thought about behavioral management, sensory organization and support. Um, and so here's another invitation to connect with other adoptive parents, connect with communities of folks who get this. So for those days when it's lonely or it's hard, um, things just don't feel quite right and your child's not ex responding in ways that you expect them to, um, or when they have needs that seem like when their reactions don't match the environment or when their needs seem greater than what you expected, <sighs> connect with other adoptive communities and parents who are wanting to do their work and wanting to understand this more to show up in balanced and meaningful ways for their kids. So the first part of, do we get to celebrate our family as an adoptive family? Absolutely. And make room for the complexity. The hard parts of not being able to answer kids' questions about where they get this physical trait or about what happened before placement, um, that's hard. Dealing with loss when kids come to terms with that loss, when kids are angry that you were a part of that loss, when kids don't want to talk about anything at all and act like nothing is wrong, and yet you can see 
that there's a complicated piece to this. When family tree projects come up at school or family photos that out you as an adoptive family come up at school, when strangers in the community don't think you're together and when airline uh, staff you know, wonder who left the minor alone and didn't tell them when you're sitting right next to your child. Uh, I mean, we as adoptive families can go on and on and on about the numbers of times our family status is challenged, especially for those of us that are visibly identifiable as different racially. Um, it's endless the number of ways that um, people around us challenge the notion of our family and the connectedness of our families and so it's hard to help kids understand that and and to explain that to children as well so these are distinctly adoptive hard conversations to have so yes celebrate as long as you're also building skills or and also build skills to hold your child emotionally when these things are happening. Be able to talk about adoption. Do not wait for your child to start conversations about adoption. Find age appropriate ways to talk to your child about adoption. Find ways to speak truthfully and yet in sensitive ways about the first family information you do have. Um, there are very, uh, there's some good advice out there. PACT um, in, uh, based in Emeryville is a fabulous, pactadopt.org is a fabulous resource. They do tons of webinars and workshops and camps about how to talk to kids about uh, adoption. Don't don't wait. They'll think it's taboo if you're not talking about it. And kids around them are asking. Um, I know kids as young as five and six who've been asked how much they cost their parents because it was known they were adopted. That kids, there's a lot of misinformation out there in the world. Um, don't wait for your child to be talking about adoption. So, so can you have the complex conversations about what is tricky with adoption and um, what doesn't what isn't easy? What is complicated? What leads to complete competing feelings about adoption? So being able to do those, if I'm listening to adoptees, which I am, <laughs> is critical, 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 before you can even begin to, to do the parts of celebrating that matter. Um, and do the parts of celebrating that resonate with you. Many, many adoptive families start off with younger kids and celebrate very publicly. They have a gotcha day. Yay, we're coming home. Here we are. Here we are on the plane. Here we are in the car. You know, it's been this many days in foster care and now we're a family and yay. And it's public and it's social media and it's photos of children too young to really understand what part of their history of their story is being told. Um... And it's hard, right? Because for those of us who are either adding to our families or starting our families through adoption, we're excited about getting to parent. And our friends and family are often excited. We've had to get letters from them. We've had to get recommendations that were appropriate. We've had to do all these things that involve a community, often in much more public ways than folks who find themselves in traditional heterosexual situations being pregnant. <laughs> there are very public elements to adoption that aren't always true of families formed in other ways. So our community is already involved and often rooting for us and wanting to know every detail and are excited about the prospects and want to hear what's happening. And 
And very often early on in the world of adoptive families, there's a big public display, big deal made out of anniversaries, celebrations, cupcakes, court dates, balloons, again, social media posts, photo albums, parties, because we are happy that our family has grown. And I think I've seen a lot of adoptive parents also want to make sure that that the the child know there are parts to celebrate like we don't want the world is going to teach our kids adoption is unusual adoption is weird adoption means something in your people is broken um and we're not going to let that be the dominant narrative darn it there is good stuff and and this is a great thing to celebrate and we are so 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 happy you're with us even on the complicated days even when we don't quite understand your needs even when things are tricky we are so happy this is happening. Yay, yay, yay. There's an added reason to celebrate you. And we're hearing more and more from older and adult adoptees that those public declarations are, are accidentally story stealing and that they are outing key details of people's lives that they may or may not like they're not old enough to consent to who's going to know and who's going to see it and how long is that going to be available to people and if they ever really want to keep their adoptive status private can they if it's been put out there so there's the the public and the social media use so be thoughtful i always talk to adoptive parents about Whatever you're thinking about posting for your three-year-old, I want you to imagine that three-year-old is a 17-year-old standing next to you looking at what you just did. Do they want, like, well, how are they going to respond? Imagine your child is 17. Would you put the same information out there? Um, that's true about their stories. It's true about their pictures. Be very careful about sharing stories. So, so there's that piece. There's how public are you making this information about adoption? The other piece is this gotcha day phenomenon. And, and most of us go through an evolution around that, right? I've seen it all. I've seen some people, yes, gotcha day, um, uh, forever family day is another alternative. There are some folks in community who get a bristle at that because adoptive families do dissolve sometimes through, through divorce, through um, legally changed adoption status if things aren't working well, sadly. Um, and so this concept of forever family feels like a bait and switch for some adoptees. So it's up to parents in a family to stay in open dialogue. So what do you do? So I've just given you stuff not to do. Be careful. Gotcha day sounds too simple. I gotcha kind of a thing. A lot of adoptees react pretty strongly to that. And a lot of adoptive parents have had to rethink the framing about that. Like it's much more complicated than I scooped you up and now you're mine kind of a thing. Um, and family day, family anniversary day are ways to recognize that this was a momentous occasion um, and what do you do is stay in conversation with your adoptee about this. Um, be, I would say, err on the side of less public fanfare, noting a date, ta introduce it into your child's story of your family becoming family. Was, is the date you're choosing a court date, the date you came home together, the date you first met, the date everything was finally, you know, legally set. You have that information. It's part of a story. Find out how your child relates to that, right? Like, this is a date in our family that holds a lot of meaning. But I understand it could be kind of a 
big mixed feeling day for you. Oftentimes there's big mixed feelings in dates in families. And this one seems like it could be one that has madness or sadness or yippee or, you know, all of these things. So would you like to do something to celebrate that that this is an important date for our family, that this is when we came together, that this is when, you know, you came home to us, that would you like to do something? What do we do? Do you want to have a favorite meal? Do you want to write a story? Do you want to sing a song? Do you want to have a gathering of friends? Do you, that just celebrates families in all their forms. And, um, and do you, do you want to honor first family members too? I know lots of adoptive families who've evolved to have the joining days for their families also be a recognition of complexity day. Can we light a candle for a birth family? Can we um, make a meal uh, from the from your child's original homeland on that day? Like, what's a way to honor? Can we write a letter? don't know whether it'll ever get there. Would we do a journal entry? Would we do a painting? Would we take a picture? Like, would we, whatever your family does, say a prayer for, for a first family. Like, how do we recognize there's three people, three elements in this triad, adoptee, first birth family, and adoptive parents? What does it look like if we really honor that this is a complicated day that has some hard things in it, but also has some, um, some momentous things in it for our adoptive families. So, yeah. So is there ever room to celebrate? Yes. How do you get to celebrate? You're mindful of how old your child has to be before they can really understand, you know, what's, what's happening. Um, mindful if you've already thrown big parties and made big celebrations out of gotcha day and told everybody in your community that it's gotcha day which i did and then had to undo <laughs> um and that's okay everybody learns we all learned i said i'm learning like you can make mistakes guess what we're gonna make a million and 27 mistakes and it's an okay time to say gosh when you were, i was just so happy when you were younger that i wanted to kind of you know splash out and celebrate and lucky 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 me not lucky you lucky me. But now I see that it isn't, you know, it's a little bit more complicated than that. And, and you're older, and you're not going to want that kind of shindig. So how would you like to celebrate this day? What do you think about in terms of honoring this day? Is there something for your first birth parent you want to do? Do we want a message? Do we want to draw? Do we want to write? How would we like to include them in this hallmark date for our family? So talking to your kid about it, recognizing, think of them as 16, even when you're younger and trying to navigate this stuff, it'll help you pause sometimes. Notice how public or private these, these, um, uh, descriptions are, or these, these announcements are, I think that's really important in protecting, um, adoptee sense of commodity and an adoptee sense of, of, of privacy. Also, Find the spaces, I do think this is important, to find the spaces and places where you as a mom or dad or parent, non-binary status parent, can, 
can actually really celebrate with your people who get the complexity. So you're finding other adoptive parents who understand why your your viewpoint about this day is hard and it's mixed, but, but gets to say like, yeah, oh my gosh, it was this day. Look at this picture. Look at how big his eyes looked. Look at how, you know, um, gosh, she was so little then. And oh my gosh, look at me. Oh, what I didn't know. And, and yet, be able to celebrate that, right? Like include your family in the complexity so that you do have a space and place offline with warm hearts to say, oh my gosh, how lucky am I? Um, what a day, what a journey. So educate close friends and family so that you do have a space where you can get squeezes and feel celebrated as a, as a parent who's on a distinct journey while honoring the complexity while honoring your child's story, while honoring how complicated placement decisions are for first birth families, and recognizing going forward that that being adopted does not mean there's a forever ceiling and an automatic forever limitless well of attachment need and it does mean that attachment, relationships, milestones, birthdays, anniversaries, school projects, um, ugh, public responses and reactions are going to mandate that you have some additional parenting skills and that you're thoughtful about the ways that attachment loss shapes what your child needs in ways that lots of other parents don't have to be. So yes, celebrate with the people who understand complexity, with the people who can say, yes, parent, you know, you're awesome. This is an amazing thing. Can you ever imagine your life any different? Yay. And I get why the squeeze is, is a little bit quieter than it might be, and it's more offline. And and next week when you call, because there's this thing that happened in the parking lot, they can sit and hold that too, they, that your, your friends and family have been educated by you and brought along by you so that um, they're not giving the oversimplified tropes that broader society too often gives to us. And find groups of adoptive parents also doing this work. All right, so hopefully there was some thoughts about how to celebrate anniversaries, um, how to to be thinking about this complex thing that is gotcha day, rethink that, um, that is family anniversary, that is um, the day of legal, uh, you know, day that we're, that we're officially legally a family, because lots of folks know that family doesn't always mean legal connections. Uh, one of the reasons I love living in Hawaii is that extended family takes on so many beautiful, um, uh, broader meanings. Uh, but yeah, think about how to talk about the momentous dates in your family in a way that are respectful of your child, recognizing the complications of adoption, and also with room for for joy and yays and, and, you know, life brought us together on this journey. And I'm so lucky. And I know it's hard sometimes. And I love you dearly. And what a day this is for us. And, and we got this. That's the energy in which this episode was uh, recorded. So thanks for joining me. Find your people. Thanks for tuning in today. Be well. 
All right. Well, thanks for listening today. Just a quick note here at the end to say I am so glad you joined, and I hope you are too. And if you'd like to connect with me more, come take a look at my website, www.drlauraanderson.com. There you can join my newsletter, keep in touch, and find out what is in the works. You can also join me for coffee and conversation uh, and Facebook at Common Cord Psychology Services. So check me out those places, and I look forward to further connection. I'm glad you were here today.